Well, hello once again. It's good to be back with you and hope that you've enjoyed Melvin these last three weeks. He has just been dynamic and wonderful and stepping in and giving me a break. And um, it's good for an old man to take a rest every now and then. But uh, we're back now and we're going to start this short series on <clears throat> Am I Confident? <clears throat> uh, am I confident in who I am as a Christian? Am I comfortable in this new role of life as a Christian? Um, those are things that each one of us have to answer for ourselves. And I want you to understand, you're the one who has to be convinced in your own mind that you accept Scripture as truth. Because Scripture is for the purpose of also showing you your past, what you once were, but to focus you on what you are yet becoming in Christ. Is, is, is there and is purposely there for a reason. So let's pray and we're going to get into this because I'm excited about it, what God has just been showing and revealing. So I hope that you stay with me and um, as God, the Holy Spirit, just ministered to us that we can learn from it. So let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for your loving kindness. Thank you, O oh God, for opening your word to us. May your Holy Spirit, who is the true teacher, come and teach us. And may we sit at the feet of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and hear his words. And Lord, minister to us. Whatever we might be going through in life, and some of us, Lord, have some hardships and some difficulties to overcome. But, oh, God, you're the one who can strengthen us. You're the one who can guide us through these difficulties. You're the one who takes us through the storms and over our mountains. You're the one, oh, God, who gives us victory in life. Would you help us to help us to understand who we are in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And that, Lord, our victory is in him, not in ourselves per se, but in him and Help us to understand, as Paul said, it's no longer I that liveth, but it's Christ that liveth. Would you, O oh God, minister to us, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. How confident are you in the scriptures? I'm not talking about going from this book to this verse to this to that, but I'm talking about how confident are you in believing what God says is true? Because God is speaking about each and every one of us. And do you really believe that he's telling us the truth about ourselves, And also the truth about our future. Who we are. What we are becoming. Um, how convinced are you that when you open up God's word, that God's going to speak to you? See, I think there's too many Christians that Believe that God will not speak. If you open God's word <clears throat> and you get into it on a regular basis, I'm not saying every day you got to be there, but you're in it. And when you're in it, you're looking for God to speak to you. Now, I'm not talking about the sometime person either. I'm not talking about the person who's only in it 
two, three times a month or uh, just once or twice a year. <clears throat> I'm talking about a person who is pretty regular in looking into God's word and allowing God to speak to their heart and their mind. Understanding this, you can't grow in your faith outside of the scriptures, outside of the Bible. You can't grow. You really don't know what to believe, and you really don't know what to do, and you don't know how to behave if you're not in this word of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to break it down to you and show you what God would have you to do as a Christian and how he would have you to live. Are you convinced that his word is true and that when his word speaks to you, that you can take it with a confidence and run with it. See, <clears throat> if you're not convinced that Scripture is telling you the truth, you're not going to be in it. And if you're not in it, you're not growing. And if you're not growing, your faith is not developing. And if your faith is not developing, you're not changing. Let me read you something here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Listen to what it says in chapter 6. I'm going to start off with verse 9. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? The wicked. Do not be deceived. Now who is he talking about being deceived? You and I. Not so much the wicked. He's talking about the Christian. Don't be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral or idolater nor adulterer nor male prostitute nor homosexual offender nor thieves nor the greedy nor drunkards nor slanderers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. He goes through all this list of people with their basically their behaviors and what they do and how they live and he says they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. <clears throat> now somebody's going to say, well I know a lot of Christians who are living in such a way and they're living in sin, they're living with somebody. I know uh, this man has fathered two or three kids out of wedlock. Like he called himself a Christian. I know this woman who's had a baby or two or three. Uh, they have different fathers and they're all mixed up. Part of that confusion comes in because I don't know who I am in Christ. I don't know and I have not yet identified with the word of God as God ministers to me through his word. Now, follow with me a little further here in that same chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, I want you to catch that point because this is the whole point of this series within a sense. He says in that verse 11, he says, And that is what some of you were. Now, once you really hang on to that word, were, not what you are, but what you were. And many people in the church today fit somewhere in one of these categories. You were a thief. You were an adulterer. Uh, you were someone who fornicated all the time. You may have been a prostitute, whether it be male or female. Uh, you may have been someone who is constantly out here after sex, no matter who it may be with. Uh, what he says, you may have been a drunkard, but now you're not. 
this is what you once were. Too many of us are Christians are living in our past life rather than in the life that the Lord has prepared for us. That life that he shed his blood on Calvary for, for us to live. We're living not identifying with him or with his word. We're identifying with the world and our friends, per se, of the world. And we are losing sight of who we are. And I want to, if I can, help you truly see that scripture calls us to a different life and to a change. If you believe that scripture is talking about you, not some person of past history. Yes, we're going to use Paul and Peter today as an example. But God's not just talking to Paul or Peter. He's talking to Gus Brown. He's talking to a Joe. He, he's talking to a Melvin. He's talking to a Henry. He's talking to other individuals also. The, you could just about put your name in there. And he says, <clears throat> but it's speaking about you. The scripture speaks about us in this present day. And we put it that this happened 2,000 years ago or more. And it, it, it doesn't mean anything to me. Yes, it does. Because he is describing your life, your past life, also your future life. If you believe it is speaking to you, my question is, how are you responding to what it's saying? How are you responding to Scripture? Now, James says, and he tells us this in this fashion in James 1.22, do not merely be a listener. Now, most of us today are listeners. I want you to get beyond just listening to the word by the preacher or by the Sunday school teacher or by the deacon or elder. Yes, faith cometh by hearing, and that takes that area of listening. But someplace you have to begin to also dig for yourself. Someplace you got to start doing for yourself. You got to start getting into this word, hearing the Holy Spirit speak to you, and listening to him, and not just man. And I'm not saying man does not speak by the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's something about when you get in the scripture by yourself and you really ask God to speak to you what he'll do. And, and that's what we need to get to. That I can come out of a quiet time. I can come out of a time of study. I can come out of spending time with God. And something has happened to me personally. And I know it. And I know God has spoke to me. And I'm persuaded and I'm convinced that this is something now I have to live or I have to change or I have to do. It's because the word of God now has brought me to that place where I am convicted by it. And I sense 
this is what I really need to do. Go to Romans 15.4 <clears throat> because we need to understand the purpose of Scripture because one of the purpose for us is that it's going to strengthen us. It's going to help us to grow and have confidence in the one who is ministering to us, the Holy Spirit. And the word itself ministers to us. And we have to really take note of that, that the scriptures are there to encourage us, to help us, to guide us, to show us truth that we ourselves could never understand outside of the word of God. It just won't happen. But when I get into this, boy, what joy it really can bring to the heart. Go to Romans 15.4 with me. <clears throat> and I want you to really take hold of this. He said, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Now, now there's a purpose for scripture. It's going to teach us. And we're going to talk about that again. It is to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement, what is scripture going to give us? As I read the scripture, it gives me endurance or the ability to stay with this Christian life, no matter what I'm suffering through, what may be happening in my life. Scripture gives me the ability to endure and keep pushing on, keep moving on. And he says, so that through endurance, the encouragement. And what else is scripture doing? It's encouraging. It gives me endurance, but it also encourages me. It gives me the examples of other people's life and what they had to go through and the suffering they had to go through. And yet they stayed faithful to God. And I can somewhat relate to some of them. The issue is that the scripture is here to build endurance and encouragement. Now, listen to this part again. So that through endurance and the encouragement of what? Of the scriptures. Of the scriptures. We might have hope. And as long as you have hope, you stay at something. You keep moving forward. Uh, that hope that scripture gives you through that endurance and through that encouragement that gives you that hope to keep on no matter how dark it may be. There's that glimmer of hope that comes because of scripture that allows you to keep moving and keep doing. Too many Christians have just fallen off the bandwagon. They've fallen off because they've lost hope. They've fallen off because they haven't been encouraged. But they won't come around the church and around church folks and people who believe in God and people who are in the word. They won't get into the word to be encouraged that they might endure. Endure what? The things of this world will not sap the energy of their Christian life. That they can stay Faithful to the Lord. Loyal to the Lord. They can keep moving on with Christ. And not all this falling back that we see into the world. Lapsing back into the same old lifestyle. But really endure a new life. It's not easy to live 
of Christian life. It's not easy. Because you're made fun of sometimes, you're ridiculed sometimes because of what you believe. And some of the things the Lord asks you to do sometimes, oh Lord, the world's not doing that. I'm going to be an oddball. That's going to look awful foolish and dumb in the sight of my friends. But remember who's asking you. God is. God is. And he says, the scripture will give you endurance and encouragement and hope. Now, let me ask this question. Are you in the scriptures? If you're not in the word of God, you're not going to have endurance. You're not going to be encouraged. And you're not going to have hope. When you remove hope from people's life, you have depressed people. When you remove hope from the life of people, you find people in confusion. Because they have no direction for life or which way to go. When you have hope and you're being encouraged, you keep moving even in the difficulties of life. Because you know God is going to bring you through. And there's going to be a breakthrough somewhere. It won't always be tough. It won't always be hard. It won't always be rough. It won't always be like you're the last one thought about. No. Life is going to change for you if you're willing to change. Always remember this. If you don't change, you'll receive the same thing. But if you're willing to change as scripture gives you light and wisdom to change, then God will give you the ability to endure and he will encourage you along the way and he will give you hope that you might be able to achieve the things that you're going after or that he's pointing you towards. Now, I also want you to go with me to Romans 4.21. Because, see, if you get in the scripture and you begin to study it and you begin to see yourself and it begins to talk about you or your future or what things that has to change in your behavior or in your life. And sometimes God will call for you, okay, it's time for you to be single. What do I mean? You've been living with somebody, but God is saying, "Uh uh-oh, now it's time. Should have been out of it, really, but we don't move. I remember Brian a long time ago. Bible study after he met the Lord at Billy Graham Crusade. and um, I was one of the counselors up there, and he was assigned to me. And After about a year and a half of Bible study with him, one day, Brian and uh, his wife, who he finally married, they just asked me a question. Are we living in sin? I didn't tell them that just living together was wrong or I didn't try to persuade them very quickly to uh, stop living the type of life that they were living. But as they got into the word of God, God showed them. God pointed it out. And their question was, are we living in sin? All I could do is say yes. But it's not a sin that's not unforgivable you need to wake up understand that it's sin 
and then ask God to forgive you and begin to live life the way God has ordained you to live it, not the way the world wants you to live it, but the way God wants you to live it. And that's what's hurting many Christians today. We live this Christian life more so in a manner in which the world wants us to live our Christian life. And that's part of the weakness of the church rather than living it the way God would have us to live it. Go to, again, Romans 4, and I want you to go to verse 21. I, I, I want you to catch what is being said here, because we're going to tie it in. Because if we don't believe what Scripture says, and we don't believe what God speaks into our lives, then we're going to miss the mark. We're just going to miss it. See? And he says in that verse 21, he says, now, look how it starts out being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. That God had what? you got to be fully persuaded that what God says or promised you in this book, that God can do it. If you don't think God can do it, the Lord tells you in James again, a double-minded man will receive nothing from him. You have to believe that God is capable of doing what his scripture says he can do. Can he change you? Can you become a new creature? Yes, you can. Why? Not because of your own strength, your own power, but because God said it and God has the power to bring it to pass. He has the power of making you into a new creature. Where old things are passing away, and behold, all things are becoming new. That is the power of our God. But the question is, do you believe it? Do you believe it, and are you persuaded? There's a lot of people who've been persuaded by man to become a Christian rather than by the Holy Spirit. Let me see if I can explain that some. A lot of times we're trying to please humanity or man or grandma or grandpa or mom or dad or someone else and we do what they say do. I'm not trying to belittle this or make light of it. But unless the Holy Spirit is involved in this, and the Holy Spirit somehow quickens that life, then that person has only done what other human beings has asked them to do in the same manner of joining a club or joining this or joining that. They joined the church without really knowing the impact that could take place in their life if they were responding to the Holy Spirit rather than to humanity. For the scripture says it is the Holy Spirit who convicts. And yes, the Holy Spirit uses people to witness and to share. But to convict the heart, where the heart is persuaded that God has the power to remove them from sin and to give them the ability to walk a life that is sinless, Less sin. No man is going to be perfect. 
I'm not perfect. I still have my faults. I still have areas that the scripture is dealing with me in. And as you get in the scripture, it keeps dealing with you. It keeps gnawing at you. It keeps eroding away that sin that's in your life. It keeps removing it. And it kind of like turns the dirt for that which you thought that was taken care of. Oh boy, it turns the dirt over and boy, you got to find these rocks sometime and get it out of there and get that mess out of there for the seed of the Holy Spirit can really sit in through the word of God and make a change in your life. And he said, I'm fully persuaded. The writer says, if you're not fully persuaded that God can do what he says in your life, you're going to be stuck claiming you're a Christian but living as this world lives. And people will not really see a difference. And what is the most powerful witness to this world is a changed life. And we're going to see that. Because people know what you once were. And now you become this Christian. They're looking for something different. And the reason that a lot of people don't see a difference is because those sometimes who are professing are not fully persuaded that God has the power to really do what he says he can do in our lives. Now, we need to be in Scripture. If you're not in Scripture, not, and you're going to hear me say this over and over again in this series, if you're not in Scripture, you're not growing. If you're not in the scripture, you're not building your faith. If you're not in the scripture, you are slowly walking away from God. If you're not in the scripture, you may become a very religious person or spiritual person, but you have not become a very faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Huge difference. The scripture helps us define who we are. It defines us, and it helps reveal our new identity. The Word of God does. I had no idea when I became a Christian that I would become a pastor. I had, I had no idea of that. That was the furthest thing from my mind. I never even thought I would be a Sunday school teacher. I was satisfied just being saved. Okay, hallelujah, I'm saved. I missed the fire. Praise God. But God wants to do more than just have you missed the fire. He wants to do something in your life that will affect somebody else's life. And we need to understand that. And that helped us to see the work that God is doing in us. When people tell us, you're not the same as you were a year ago, a year and a half ago. You're, you're not hanging out with us like you used to. That helps us to recognize people are what? Watching our lives. And that is so important because the scripture has a purpose for us. Go to 1 Corinthians again, uh, chapter 14. Why don't you go to verse 3 with me in 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Because 
we need to understand that the scripture, we can't make it without God's word. We can't grow without God's word. Our faith will not develop without God's word. We will not know who we are in Christ without God's word. We will be a people who are in torment, who are confused, who are trying to live a double life one as a Christian and one acceptable in the world, and that doesn't work. It only causes heartache. No person can serve two masters. you got to either be totally sold out for the one or you're over here with the other. If you're trying to straddle the fence, you're a sad, miserable individual. Go again to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and well, what you do is look at verse 3. Look what he says there. Get these eyes focused. Uh, come on, verse 3. He said, but everyone who prophesies. Now, what is prophesying? Speaking the word of God. It can be called preaching even today. But they are speaking on behalf of God. They're sharing something of God's word. Prophesying speaks to men for their strengthening. So when you sit under the word of God, I don't care who's teaching it. He don't have to have a title. You don't have to be reverend. Don't have to be doctor. Don't have to be bishop. If he's preaching the word of God, if he's teaching from this Bible, this word of God, It's for a purpose of strengthening those who are hearing, those who are listening. He says, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men. For what? For their strengthening and encouragement and comfort. Boy, strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. When you live a Christian life, in this world here, it takes God to comfort you. It takes God to give you the joy that only Jesus Christ, as he said, that he has given us his joy, his peace. There are those things that only God himself can give us that will rectify what is taking place and what's coming at us from the world. That I don't lose it. And we don't get mad and we don't get upset, but we have a peace that somehow stabilizes us. We have a joy that doesn't come from material things, but come from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he says, again, but everyone who preaches or prophesies or teaches or speaks this word of God to men they're doing it for this purpose, for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. That's what the word does for us. It does comfort us. It does strengthen us. And again, it does encourage us. Because living the Christian life and being faithful to a wonderful, wonderful God, to a wonderful Lord, to a wonderful Savior, is not all that easy. Don't think that Pastor Brown sometime may not have the wrong thoughts that I got to bring into captivity. And I got to ask God to forgive me. And I got to talk scripture to myself. That my mind 
should be renewed in this area. That my mind has to replace that worldly thought with a biblical thought. That something has to change because I know it's not glorifying to God. Sometimes what I may say is not glorifying to God. And I got to ask for forgiveness. And I got to deal with that. And this whole process is not sometimes these big sins that we know of. It's these little things every day that we're dealing with. Am I pleasing God or am I pleasing man? Even to that point. I'm not here to please man. I'm here to please God. And if I please my Lord and my Savior, He will then reconcile everything with me, with my brother or my sisters. If I please Him, He'll fight my battles. He'll do what is necessary in my life that I can live at peace with all men. Now, go to Acts 15, verses 30 and 31. Because again, time is running past us. And, but I just want to set this stage part for that we get to Peter and Paul real quick that we can see that they had to identify. There wasn't a lot of choice. And you and I, we have to identify with the scriptures and with what God has spoken. If God says that you're saved, then you say that you're saved. Not because you're the one saying it, but because God has said it, and you are convinced that you are saved. My question to you again then, are you following Jesus? Are you in the word? Are you allowing scripture to do away with the old life? And induce you to a new life? Are those things happening? Are you saying you're saved, but you're living the same old, rotchy, dirty, filthy life you lived before you ever were saved? You're the one who has to determine that. So go into verse 30 with me. In Acts 15. Listen to what he says. The men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letters. They're just delivering letters, but listen what takes place. The people read it. What was in those letters? The Word of God. The Word of God. What's in this Bible? There are different letters that we believe are the word of God. And he says. They went down. With these letters. And they gathered the people together. And the people came and heard what was in these letters. The men went. The men were sent off. And went down to Antioch. Where they gathered the church together. And delivered the letters. The people read it. And were Glad. When you get into God's word, it will make you glad. It will bring tears to your eyes. It will give you a joy. It will strengthen you. It will encourage you. It will give you hope beyond just this human hope. And he says, they were glad. What were they glad about? They were glad that they were reading and hearing 
God's word. How many of you rejoice over hearing God's word and reading God's word? How many of you are strengthened when you hear God's word? How many of you find new direction in your life when you're in the scripture or you're hearing the word of God being taught? Is there any challenge that comes across? Is there anything that's challenging you to change or causing you to look at yourself differently? And he says, the people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. There's that word encouraging you. I know history gives us a little bit of what was going on and acts and the, the different parts of the church and so forth. But the point I want you to really understand is that whatever they were going through, the message encouraged them. Whenever you get into God's word, I don't care what you're going through, it will uplift you and it will encourage you. Now, the word in 2 Timothy 3.16, it tells us this. The word is there to teach us, is there to rebuke us or to scold us. Is there to say, stop doing this? Is there to correct us? It just doesn't tell us stop doing something without telling us how to do something the right way. And then it is to train us in righteousness. You can read 2 Timothy 3.16 and you'll find those things that are there that is there to teach you, rebuke you, correct you, and train you in righteousness. And a lot of people say, well, why do I need to be trained in righteousness? I know right from wrong. No, you know right from wrong from a worldly viewpoint. Now you're going to learn right and wrong from a godly viewpoint. From how God sees right and wrong. And now you're going to have to put that alongside your worldly right and wrong and ask yourself, is it really right? Or is it wrong? And more than that, is it sin? Now, the purpose of this, it tells us why he wants to train us in righteousness. And the purpose is that we may be equipped for every good work. See, some of us think we're equipped to do what we do. But let me share something with you. Everyone who is a born-again Christian, when you go in your job, you're not only working for your employer, but you are working for the Lord, and you work as unto the Lord. And you should demonstrate, and you should show off, and you should do more and go beyond what is asked of you. Because you're not doing it for flesh and blood, but you're doing it for the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And people will take note of that. And you'll be surprised the drawing card that that makes and how it draws people to you and how you can begin to minister to people because of it. He says that he equips you for every good work and everybody that God brings into your life, guess what? He's already equipped you to help that individual, to minister to that individual. And again, in in Romans 14, 5, 
that whole thing. You must be fully convinced in your own mind. You must be fully convinced in your own mind that God is able to do. Boy, that that is something that no one else can really persuade you. Because, you see, if, if you're not convinced in it, man can talk to you until they're blue in the face. It won't change you. The thing that changes us is Scripture. It's the Word of God. In Romans, again, 14, in verse 5, I want you to hear what he says. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. See, we are convinced until we are challenged with truth or that which is better than what we are holding on to. A lot of us just run here and there and everywhere with every little wind of doctrine. But if you're convinced this is the truth, you don't move from it until God shows you truth that is higher, better, richer, or more accurate. It really is truth. You should respect people who hold to certain beliefs. But the issue comes down, will they move when they really hear truth? And as Paulus said, what is truth? And sometimes we have to deal with people for a while to bring truth about. But the greatest truth is going to be seen in your own life. Because oftentimes people say, I believe in this, but they don't live that way. They don't follow that. They don't do. Or they make up their own rules in their doing. For the Christians, we believe in the word of God. And we live out and breathe this word of God. And we move by this word of God as it empowers and strengthens and encourages us. It's this word that people begin to see is not just on the pages, but in the heart and the mind of individuals who are fully persuaded that God is powerful enough to do what he says. Now, we have identity crisis. We deal with distorted images in our minds of who we think we are. And this is one of the reasons I think it's so terrible today between men and women. Uh, we allow fashion designers to somewhat identify us. If we're going to be this type of person, we got to dress this way. If we're going to be this, we got to dress that way. If we're going to be this. So we have this whole thing of trying to identify. Who am I? Your clothes don't really identify you. And I know you can put a collar around your neck and so forth, and people will very quickly think you're a bishop, you're a reverend, you're this or that. But 
that's not really what should identify you. It should be your everyday life that identifies you, not some outward apparel. But you and I have to be convinced. And that's what the scripture is saying to us. Be fully convinced in your own mind who you are in Christ. Not what somebody else is trying to say to you. Yes, we should listen. Yes, we should hear. But somewhere it comes down is not somebody else telling me that I should be this or be that or do this or do that. But I am fully convinced in my own mind that God is speaking to me and these are some changes or things I need to do in my life. Because if God doesn't speak, nothing's going to be lasting. Nothing's going to be something that you're going to really work on. That's just another man's opinion about your life. God don't have an opinion. God just has truth. He's not opinionated. He just tells you the truth. And we have to be willing to accept that truth. I want to look at Peter and Paul here in the last 15, 20 minutes that we have. Because Peter, in Matthew 16, he had to deal with this. Peter was a fisherman. Many of you know, if you're around fish, you begin to pick up the odor of the fish in your clothing. I, I mean, it's just there. I mean, fish have their own distinct odor and, and, and so forth. And, and if you're around them, uh, it gets into your clothing and people can smell. You've been around fish. If you fry fish and people step in, uh, they know you've been frying fish. Uh, it's there. It's almost like them chitlins. Uh, people who cook chitlins, uh, people can step into the house and, or they can smell it in your clothing. Is there, oh, you've been eating chitlins today or you've been doing this. Um, what we need to recognize, am I willing to identify with what God says about me more than what people say about me. Peter has to deal with that. And Peter makes a confession that Jesus is the Son of God. But I want you to hear what the Lord is going to say to Peter. Now, Peter is one of those examples because, like I said, he was a fisherman. Peter was someone who smelled, and people know that he smelled, and they know that that was his work. Others also knew him as a boatman, and sometimes you can get that identity because you're out on a boat, a merchant marine is out on a boat most of the time. A sailor is out on a boat most of the time. And you become known for what you somewhat do or your practice. Like the prostitute who practice or 
like a doctor who is a medical doctor who practice. We become known by what we practice and so forth. And Peter was also known as someone who may be just a minimal laborer. Um, he was not up in a professional professional, but uh, fishermen are professionals. Everybody can't fish. I'm not a fisherman. Don't put me on a boat. I get sick in a moment. But some people can get on that boat and uh, they can be all day on it. And they love the fishing and they love what they do. All of us are not fishermen. But they become known as that also, like the plumber who's a plumber or the electrician who's a electrician. Uh, my dad, uh, a friend of ours, uh, his name was London, and uh, uh, he knew the, our next door neighbor, and he would come over. And, and uh, my dad, uh, we knew him as London. My dad nicknamed him the little electrician. And he would ask, have you seen the little electrician? And I knew who he's talking about the moment he says that, that little electrician. He was talking about London. And uh, the whole process, that's just a nickname that Dad somewhat gave him, that little electrician. People get to know you by your nickname. They get to know you by certain things. And they knew Peter. And that Peter was a fisherman. Jesus knew that Jesus was a fisherman. But something happens here. Look at verse 17. Jesus replied, and maybe this has never happened to you. And I guess Peter had to step back and say, Me? Me? A fisherman? Me? I've never been to pharisaical school. I've never taken this language or that language. I've never studied different philosophies. I've only been a fisherman. Me? And in 16, chapter 16, look at that verse 17. He says, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon. Me? I'm blessed? See, one of the things in Christianity today, we throw around this word, uh, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Well, I look at some people's life and they're saying they're blessed. Boy, I don't want that blessing. But Peter or Simon, God says, Blessed are you. Blessed are you. It was he was blessed because the answer he gave, Jesus said, Peter. It did not come from you, but it came from my Father. And you're blessed that the Father would speak through you. Listen, Jesus, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jacob, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. That God spoke to him. You're blessed. Now, one of the problems we have today is people identifying that they are really blessed to be able to hear from God, to pick up this word and read it and let God speak to them. You are truly blessed. But you have to see yourself as one who is blessed and can be blessed. 
And at that very moment, Peter had to see himself differently. And we have to see ourselves differently. And he says, Peter, you are blessed. And it's amazing what God can do. My daughter tomorrow in the service, I'm going to have her share a little bit about a young lady who is about ready to finish nursing school. But when we met her some years ago, she could not see herself being what she may become in the next few months, a nurse. No perception of that. But just over the years, just encouraging, just encouraging, helping her to see she can endure, she can get through this. And and just, as my daughter said, making an investment in. And to hear what she said, uh, boy, just amazing. And she'd been a 3.5 student. And you knew what all the difficulties she was having in life and to carry a 3.5. Boy, only God. Only God. And Peter had to look at himself and say, I'm blessed. Now, why don't you catch something else also? In verse 18, that is so important. Jesus says to him, And I tell you that you are Peter. Change his name. Simon Peter. Simon, I tell you, you are Peter. You're different and you're more than what you could ever think that you are. Now God may not have changed your name. But God is simply saying to you, you are more than what you think you are. And you can do more than what you think you can do. But you have to believe that all things are possible with me. You have to believe there's nothing too hard for me to do. You have to believe that I can truly change your life. You have to believe that I can give you a man that will love you for who you are and will deeply appreciate you. You have to believe that I can give you a wife that will recognize that you are her husband and that you're the head of her life and that I put you there to lead her and to guide her and to nurture her and to take care of her and to love her deeply. Can you believe that? Why are you out here on your own trying to find your own wife, your own husband and I'm not saying, boy, you shouldn't date. I'm not saying that. But are you praying over the person? Are you asking yourself, is this person godly? Does this person love the Lord at all? Is there anything about this person that says they're interested in God as you are? And if they're not, the scripture already tells you, don't be unequally yoked. And that's why if you're not in scripture, you wind up being unequally yoked. If you're not really in the word and allowing God to speak to you, you'll pick up anything because you're just lonely. 
And what I want to share with you is this. Peter had to see himself differently. So Jesus called him, not Simon, but said, you are Peter. Because he wanted him to see himself differently. And Peter may have said to himself, if this could only be true. If this could only be true. That I'm really blessed by the Father. And some of you are saying that. If the gospel could only be true. If the word of God could only be true. If this Bible could only be true. Let me share with you. It's true. It really is true. It has impacted my life. It has changed my life. It continues to direct my life. It's true. And Peter may have been there, and you're there wondering, is God's word true? Until you are fully persuaded that the scriptures are true, you're not going to get into them. And I want to say to you, dive into them and let God show you and prove to you that it's true. Three things here in this last five minutes. And we won't get to Paul today, but we'll get there tomorrow. Because it's so interesting about Paul that he changes from Saul to Paul. Because what Saul was going after, boy, he didn't get. But Paul did. That new person, Paul. Saul, who was blinded, but Paul was given sight, new sight. Paul, who went to put people in prison to take them captive, to kill them. Paul wound up sitting down with them and learning from them. And enjoying the time with them. Just totally different. But let me give you these three things that... You're the one that had to be persuaded. Has this happened in my life? Number one, has Jesus created a new person? Are you a new creature? Are you different? 2 Corinthians 5.17 Do you know that you're different and you're a different person? If you Say you're a Christian and you're still living and running after the same old things of this world. I want to say to you again, get down on your knees and ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. And ask him to change your life. To renew your life. To change your thinking. Renew your friends. If there's no change, most likely you're not saved. And I'm not the one here to say who's saved or who isn't saved. This scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. That's one of the qualifications of really being changed or being saved. Is that you can recognize you're different. And your friends recognize you're different. 
the second thing is that there's a new nature. It's no longer a worldly nature running after the things of the world and wanting the things of the world, the success of the world. But there's a new nature, a divine nature. And one of the first things you want to do is renew your mind with the word of God. That somehow there's that desire that I, I, I want my thinking to be different. I, I, I want to know things in a different light. I want to see things as God sees them, not as the world sees them. I want a new nature. Galatians 5.23 and 2 Peter 1.4 That there's a new nature. You've been given a divine nature. Not this old lustful, worldly nature, but now a godly nature. And the third thing that you have a new meaning of purpose in life. That you recognize what you really used to run after and really used to desire. That's not the main thing anymore. But there's something different. And 1 Corinthians 10.31 really puts it like in a nutshell. Or whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, whatever I do, I have a purpose and a meaning to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, to glorify God. Boy, those three things are critical. And only you can point them out in your life. That you know that you are a different person, that you know you have a new nature, and that you know you have a new meaning and purpose of living and what you're living for. You're the only one who can say these three things are true in your life. And I pray that you are fully persuaded that you are saved. I pray that you are fully persuaded that Jesus Christ is the living God. That you're fully persuaded that the Holy Spirit is working in you. And that you're fully persuaded that this is truth. And it's the only truth that can really help man. God has given it to us. But we have to be persuaded that it's the truth from God. Nobody can persuade you. But you, you're the one who has to say to yourself, I am fully persuaded that this is God's word. It's a living word given unto me. I want to say thank you for the time. And, and I'm just praying for you. And would you pray for us? Would you pray for Aquiline's Alliance Fellowship? We put down a new floor. Now our goal is to paint the sanctuary. And there's a couple other things we still have to do also. And uh, would you pray? If you're a believer and you're hearing this message, I'm stepping out in faith. We're hoping to build a new daycare center. But we're going to need help. And if some point, if you can help, it doesn't have to be anything big, $5, $10, 
whatever. If you feel God leading you to help, would you help and just send five or ten dollars for a future daycare for Wonder World and Aqua Lions Fellowship? We want to educate a younger generation, and it starts very young. There's the vision of going from daycare to school. There are some good Christian schools around us. I don't know how God will do this because some of the schools the people really can't afford to go to. I don't know how we can make ours affordable, but our God does. But what I do know is this. One of the critical issues in our communities today is a good education. And the better we can educate, the better Christian, hopefully, we're going to have sitting in the pews and in the church who want to learn because they are accustomed to learning and desire to learn and want to know more about Jesus and have the ability and are equipped to do ministry in a whole different way than what we have been accustomed to. So I don't know what all God is going to do here with a daycare building, with the possibility of going into elementary, but if you can help, we would appreciate it. And especially your prayers above all else. Would you pray with us over this whole thing? We want to be doing what God would have us to do, not what man wants to do, but what God wants to do. So let's pray. And again, I want to say thank you. Thank you for the privilege of speaking to you. Thank you. Father, we pray that you would close us with your blessing. And we pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would somehow, oh God, allow us to identify with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and with his word. And that we would be a people who allow the word of God to define us. And we would believe his word and who we are in Christ. And because of Christ, we are saved and because of Christ, we've been changed. Because of Christ, we have a new nature. Because of Christ, oh God, we have a new purpose for living, to glorify him. Would you bless us, oh God? And would you work in our life in a mighty, mighty way? You are the powerful God who is able to keep and do and perform every one of your promises. Would you do that in our lives? And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you. May God keep you. May you continue to press on to know more of him. More of Jesus, the songwriter wrote, I would know. So I'm praying that that's who you would desire to know more of. Thank you again for just the privilege of allowing me to share with you. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. God bless. Amen.